you know, I, I've been part of things here for two months, but the la- two of the last three weeks I weren't here. I wasn't here, and Pastor John wanted me to give a report of where I've been. Um, so I, I wasn't doing anything bad. In fact, it was rather some nice stuff, and I even have some pictures to share with you. Um, two weeks ago, we were in Washington for the wedding of our son, Chris, to his now wife, Allie, or Allison. Um, this is them up a little more closely. Um, and that was really a nice time for us. Um, you know, being a parent is a scary thing sometimes. Um, in fact, I remember being actually terrified when Chris was about five days old. He had um, jaundice and some colic and was crying, and he was this tiny person, and I was just feeling overwhelmed. And I, I actually remember turning to my wife and thinking, you know, is it too late to give him back? Um, <laughs> And, 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 you know, the, your job as a parent, for those of you guys that have got to do this, is, is you do give your children away in little bits. And so you give them away to teachers, you give them away to coaches. Um, when he went off to college, we sort of gave him away to himself and uh, had the privilege of giving him to Allie and Allie's parents giving her to Chris a couple of weeks ago. So that was really an exciting time for us. Then I managed to make it back here and hear Pastor John's second week on Our Words Matter, and that was um, when he was talking about gossip. And that was, I've still stuck with that because I realized that I love telling stories and I love talking and I love knowing what's up. And when you love all of those things, you walk right on the edge of gossip all the time. And so, um, and, and that's the thing gossip is, 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 Telling, knowing stories and telling stories isn't bad. It's, it's doing it out of context. It's when it's not your story. You know, you're stealing someone else's story, as, as Pastor John pointed out to us. So, was here for that week. And then last week we were gone because um, our daughter, whom a lot of you have met, Katie, um, started college last weekend. And um, that's her on the right. And then that's Freddy Cougar, the APU mascot in the middle, which I'd never been up close to him enough to realize that he has blue eyes. Um, this, was, this was new. Uh, and, and the thing was, is I, I taught at APU for 14 years. I was a student there. When Katie was little, we were never near the cougar because she was one of those little kids that was terrified by people wearing animal, you know, costumes and heads. When we were little and we'd be at Disneyland, you know, everybody gets excited when the characters come by. Katie would get quiet and go like this. So just the fact that she's able to stand there arm in arm with the cougar is, is really a nice thing at this point. Um, the other girl is also named Katie. As we've discovered, I think 23% of the class of 2016 at Azusa Pacific is named Katie. Um, and so it's, it's, uh, it's not narrowed it down to much. But, but what was really cool for me being there on that day was I was a student at Azusa Pacific. Um, got to teach there for a long time, and APU is a place where I really found myself. Um, I grew up going to a high school that didn't send people to college. Um, I grew up in a family where no one had ever gone to college before. I grew up in a family where no one were Christians, and I was a Christian who was good at school. And so, you know, I knew those two things were good about me, but in my family and in the high school I grew up at, neither of those worked for me very well. And I got to Azusa Pacific, and being kind of smart and being a Christian, those were good things there. And so, and it was a place where I I, I really figured out what God's call was, figured out who I was supposed to be, and it was a really nice place to be. 
it was, I really found myself there. It was fun to be on the other side of the podium for a while, and now my daughter's there. And in fact, she's even using some of the same books that I used when I was there. I was able to have her use some of my books. So that's really a cool thing. So we have, uh, the Ramsey family is very happy right now. We have a lot to be really excited about. And, it, and it's nice to be able to tell this story. I, I am thankful that Pastor John asked me to do this because, you know, we all like to be able to do that. We all like to be able to share good news. We all like to have those moments in our lives where we feel kind of important. And it's nice to be able to use our words that way. But, you know, just like if you like stories and you like knowing what's up, you move right up to the edge of gossiping. Um, you know, when you're standing up in front of people and telling them really good, cool stories, you walk right up to the edge of some other things, too, like boasting. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Our words matter, as we've been talking about, we will, for these number of weeks. God has given us the gift of language and the gift of story. And words can make us feel important. And they can be a tremendous blessing. I mean, we just did that in worship. As Luke was leading us through worship, um, we used words and stories to bless and honor God. And we felt kind of nice ourselves that way too. The thing is with boasting, though, is that while it's often easy to see with other people, um, it's a little harder to see in ourselves. You know, in others, it's fairly easy to see. You know, you got the person that just sort of blusters in, and no matter what the topic is, their story is what comes up next. You know, I know none of us are like that, but you've probably seen this, or at least seen it on TV. Um, you have the, the person that's, um, in my mind, they're the jumper, that they'll wait for the tiniest connection and then go off in their direction. Um, you know, they've managed to get their story in. And, uh, or the latest one people have started to talk about is the, the humble brag, where you sort of are being ostensibly humble, but it's really a way to talk about how awesome you just were. Um, and, and then there's the Christian humble brag. Um, Luke and I were talking about this between services. Um, in the first service, just like now, his guitar string broke, and yet the team keep, kept going, and they didn't miss a beat. And if Luke wanted to humble brag, he could have said, you know, the Lord is just so good. Even though this guitar string broke, the Lord just gave us the grace to just keep on moving and keep on playing, and we didn't miss a beat. Now, that's bragging. And the fact that you said the Lord is so good at the start. See, if Luke had done that, and he didn't, because... Luke doesn't struggle with this. But if he had, you know, just saying the Lord is so great doesn't necessarily make it humility. You know, you're still talking about basically how awesome you were. Now, the hard part about this is we are supposed to feel awesome. And God does want us to be able to tell our stories. It's a good thing to want to be able to tell your story. And you and I were created by God to be amazing, to be wonderful, to be worthy of praise, worthy of notice. And each and, one, each and every one of us, of us are. So the thing is, is that to like to tell our stories and to feel important, that's not bad. But what's bad is to try to get there ourselves. See, we're, we're built into that. Storytelling and knowing that we're supposed to be that way. So I looked at all the stuff the Bible has to say about boasting, and I looked at all that it has to say 
about humility and all of that. And it basically, when it comes to boasting, this is the Bible's answer. Okay? And so, I could just tell you, knock it off. Except it, it, it doesn't work that way. You know, if, if, if you, my brother and I weren't like this, but I have some friends who were like this, that they would solve any difficulties they had by whacking each other upside the head, okay? Now, my brother and I weren't like this, but I, I knew other sets of brothers that did, and what their parents told them to do, don't do that, okay? But boasting isn't like that, because what boasting is, is we're, we are supposed to be able to tell our stories. We are supposed to be in situations where we feel important. We're not supposed to solve problems by hitting people in the head. So there's a nice, clear line there. But boasting is moving it slightly to the side. And so what we want to do instead is begin to look at the way that the Bible addresses that. And so we're going to see that this morning. Now, boasting in the ancient world was an interesting thing. And so, instead of telling us to knock it off, what boasting is, is, is a good thing that's gone wrong. And what, it, what the Bible, as we'll see this morning, does is it gives us another way to address it. And there's a lot of things that are like that in the Bible, where it's, it's sort of a hardwired, automatic response that we have. You were made to tell your story. And you were made to feel important. That's the way it's supposed to be. Just like when somebody does something bad to you, your response is to want to get back to Adam, right? Now, we know that we're not supposed to do that. But notice what the Bible does. You guys might remember from reading the Bible. If someone does something bad to you, generally, here's how you get back at them. You do something good. See, what God tells us is don't ignore that natural response, but take it in another direction. So if someone takes from you and you're really mad about that, what does Jesus say to do? Give to them some more. If someone curses you, what are you supposed to do? Not curse louder. <laughs> you bless them. If someone hurts you, you turn around and give them a cup of cold water. That's... Um, what in some settings I'd like to call Christian revenge, because that's what it is. That's how God's people get back at people. And there's something similar going on here. We'll see two things that how the Bible deals with boasting. One is, is it gives us an alternative behavior to do in its place in two different kinds of ways to get us to knock it off, because that's really what boasting is. It's, it's, it's not a bad thing, but it's a misappropriated thing. It's a misdirected thing. So, one of the classic lines, and, and what I found out is almost every place in the Bible that talks about boasting quotes this line from Jeremiah. Um, and this is a part of Jeremiah where God's people are just kind of lost, and the prophet is trying to tell them, hey, we have serious problems here. And, well, we don't have serious problems. We have Jerusalem. We have all this wealth. We have all this cool stuff. And, and finally, God, through the prophet, is just getting annoyed, and he says, look, if you're going to boast... You guys obviously are, and you're kind of stuck on boasting. Boast about this, at least, that they, the people boasting, should have understanding that they know me, this is the Lord speaking, and that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, righteousness on earth. For these I delight, declares the Lord. 
See, I, right there is a recognition from the Lord. He doesn't just say, knock it off. He recognizes that the mechanism that turns into boasting is just sort of hardwired into all of us. And so the Lord's advice is, here's part of it, is that you want to talk about the Lord rather than yourself. Although, as I just illustrated a minute ago, it's really easy to turn boasting, keep boasting by just adding the Lord onto it. That doesn't fix it, you know. Oh, the Lord is so good because I've done all these awesome things. That's not boasting in the Lord. That's still boasting in you and you're just roping the Lord into it. Okay? Now, the thing is, again, let me just show you how hardwired this is. People, human beings, want to understand what the pecking order is whenever they come into a particular situation. And most of the boasting that's talked about in the Bible is talked about in pecking order, in, in orders of precedence of who goes first, who defers to who, who's in charge of who. And so you'll see whenever boasting is referred to like that, um, it's usually people who have taken ideas of precedence and ideas of order from the world that they grew up in and have tried to apply it to the church. We'll see that in a minute in a passage from um, 2 Corinthians where that's clearly what's happening. And some of the time in a lot of cultures, this matters. You need to know who somebody is. Um, For instance, let me show you something. This is, you know, we just did, a, just did a wedding, so we, knew, we needed to know how to address people. This is a flow chart that if you're dealing with people who are Chinese speakers, how to address people. It's characteristic in, in most Asian cultures, as I understand it, that you rarely use people's names. That usually when you address somebody, there's a particular title depending on where you guys are relative to each other in the pecking order. Now, it's hard to see where you guys are, but the yellow box, that's you, okay? And depending on where those people are in the peck, and, you know, higher up is higher up the pecking order, and then there's sort of peers, and then there's people below you, you use a different form of address depending on where people are in that pecking order, okay? So, in a culture like that, you need to know. And so, when people show up and start talking to each other, you need to know where you fit relative to each other to know how to talk to each other. And most of the places in the Bible when it talks about boasting, that's what's going on. Um, in 2 Corinthians that we'll look at in just a minute, that's precisely what's going on. But the point here is that even though we don't live in a society, um, you know, in English-speaking North America, it's not, we don't have 27 different ways that we're supposed to address people. So we don't do that. But think about it. Think about the last time you forgot to be humble and you moved over into bragging, that you moved over into boasting. It's usually because I want them to know where I rank. I want them to know where I fit. Um, I was really, I, I was a high school track and cross country coach, treat, coached some other folks along the way. And I like to, I struggle with that. I, I like to. I was really proud of what I did. It was a little unexpected, and it's hard for me not to tell people that I was just a coach. I'm humble bragging here. Do you see what I'm doing right now? Because um, <laughs> because we did really well, and and I, and I was just thinking about this, and John and I were talking about it this week. It's like I don't want to just tell people I was a coach. I want to tell people that I was really a good coach. 
Because you might think I wasn't, and that would be wrong, and you wouldn't put me in the right place. Now, we don't have, there's not some special address that you have. You don't say, oh, you former coach or you former successful coach who won all these awards. We don't say that in our society, yet, if I'm honest, I, I want you to know that. And now you do. See how this works? It's, it's kind of nice. Um, but that's usually when it works. That's when humility is a problem, when I want you to know this about me so that you're going to slot me, not here, but here or here, that you're going to slot me in the right place. Um, so that's what's going on. There's a long passage in 2 Corinthians in 10 11 that talks a lot about humility and it talks about, um, and it talks about boasting in, in that. And here's what's going on in this passage is that in Greek society, they had a pretty big sense. You had to know who was above you and who was below you to how to talk. And so you would when you met people, you would have what they called a boast, which was essentially your resume. So you could figure out who was the top dog, who was the second dog, and, and all of that. And so Paul, who's, leading, who's writing 2 Corinthians and leading the church, by the standards of their world, he doesn't have a very good boast. He doesn't have a very good resume. And he's having trouble getting the folks in Corinth to accept his leadership because their boast, their resume, works by the standards they have. Paul's resume doesn't. See, in the, in the Greek world, you figured the gods liked you if your life went really well, and Paul kept getting beaten up and thrown in jail and having people not like him. In the Greek world, you were the boss. If you were the boss, everybody kept your schedule, and they adapted to you. Well, Paul kept showing up late and delayed because he kept getting arrested and thrown in jail, which will mess up your schedule a little bit. And so by their standards, they were the boss and he wasn't. Um, There was a standard of talking that you were supposed to have in their world, a, a certain way that you talked. It wasn't so much the content, but there were certain rhetorical things you were supposed to do. And Paul didn't do that. He was plain spoken. I mean, he was If you read his stuff, it's intellectually very challenging, but he didn't use the rhetorical style that people in their world used. And the other thing was, to show that you were a serious speaker and a serious leader, in their world, you'd ask for money when you were done. And Paul never did that. And they thought that he was not legit. If you didn't ask for money, it was because you didn't think that what you'd just done was very good. And so, by their standards, Paul didn't have a very good boast. He didn't have a very good, um, a, a very good resume. And so he's, he's trying to help people who are really stuck on this idea that I have to make sure everybody knows who I am. It's a saying where our whole way of talking to each other is predicated on you need to know exactly who I am and I need to know who you are so we can decide who's on top, who's on the bottom, how we're supposed to talk to each other. Um, So he deals with this in a couple ways. The first thing that he does is he just pretty bluntly tells them, look, this is what you're doing. You are judging by appearances. This is not how we're supposed to judge one another. You're doing stuff superficially. Um, He's saying all that stuff that you think is essential to describing who we are, it's not. It's not. And he says, look, if you're confident that you belong to Christ, you should realize that we all do equally. Okay? 
What matters and what's brought us together is not how well we can keep our schedule or not how many meals we've missed in the last couple weeks or how often we've been in jail. It's that we all belong to Christ. And so that's how he starts it off. And then he goes on to say, he says, look, but if you're going to boast, boast in the Lord. And he's quoting that passage from Jeremiah that we just said. And then he goes on to say something that I think is really brilliant and and is something that we can take away from this. He says, look, for it's not the one who commends himself who is approved, but it's the one whom the Lord commends. He's using kind of technical language here. In fact, that whole passage is really complicated if you want to go back and read it on your own because he's like being sarcastic and um, he's quoting them part of the time. But there's a ton of good stuff there. But what he's on to here is the, the thing that I think we can really take away today. And it's this. Again, it is not a bad thing to want to be able to tell your story. It is not a bad thing to feel important and to feel valuable. You were created to be able to tell your story. That's why God gave us the gift of speech. We are literally hardwired for that. I mean, people that study the brains will show ways that we, our brains are created to know stories and to tell stories. And to want to be able to tell your story, you're supposed to. And literally, each of us is the pinnacle of God's creation. So, we ought to feel pretty important. Each of us, each human being, there's what, three billion of us on earth right now? Each of us is in a three billion place tie for the most amazing thing that God has created right now. So the fact that we want to feel important, you were made to feel important. But here's the thing, and and you can see it's what's underlying the second part of what Paul says here. You're not supposed to do that for yourself. You're not supposed to do that for yourself. Thank you. Um, Commending yourself is bad. The Lord commending you or us commending one another, that's where it happens. And that's what's boasting, that's what's bad about boasting is when I boast, I am robbing someone else of the chance to do that job for me. And that's how it's supposed to work. Being able to commend, uh, being able to know what's going on, being able to be able to tell our story, that's great. But if we have to bust in and say, hey, let me tell you my story, that's bad for us and it's bad for everybody else. And we are robbing other people of the chance to do that. So here's what he goes on to say. And this is the first step for us to do this. So what what are we going to do? How do we make sure that we can still tell our story and feel important without it turning into boasting? Well, the first one is, is when it is your chance to speak and you want to speak up and you feel like, oh man, I just want to get my word in here. The first step is to do what he says here. He says, if I've got to boast, I'm going to boast about the things of my weakness. So the first step, if you want to make sure that you honor God's gift of language and story and feeling important and don't turn it into boasting, is seriously have some self-deprecating, jokey way to get the attention off of yourself. If you realize, and, and a lot of us, this will, this will happen. I mean, some of you guys never call attention to yourself, so this is not an issue for you, but for the rest of us, 
when you have called attention to yourself, to have in your pocket something that can get the attention back off of yourself, to realize, oh man, I just went down that road. I demanded the spotlight when it's not mine. What do I do? Well, he says here, you've got to boast, boast in weakness. And in context, what he's doing is dismantling this whole idea that your worldly status is what gives you status in the church. Paul's actually saying that the fact that he suffered and has experienced all kinds of bad stuff actually should raise his status in the church. Um, but for us, practically, this is a good step, that if you're inclined to call attention to yourself, to tell your story, and you realize that you've done that, a good first step is to boast about your weakness. Make fun of yourself. Joke. Pull it back. Do that along the way. Mock. Talk about your, talk about your failures. Do something that defers, looks silly, something like that. But the better way to address this, and this is something that's at the core of the gospel, the better way to not brag, the better way to not be boastful, is to focus on something else. Um, There's a great line from C.S. Lewis's sermon, The uh, Weight of Glory. And if you like reading complicated things, find that sometime. If you don't, don't, because it's complicated. But, um, you know, he, he talks about this, that we were made for glory, that we are glorious. And, he's, and he says, while it is easy to think too much about our own glory, it's impossible for us to think too much about the glory of our neighbor. And the real road to humility and the real road away from boasting is to not focus on yourself, but to focus on others. Not to, not to just say, don't tell your own story but to be somebody who helps other people tell their stories. Not to focus on, oh, I'm important, I want to feel important, but being someone who helps other people feel important. You know how this works, right? I mean, have you had something that you were really nervous about and just consumed about it, and then somebody interrupted you, gave you something to do, took you out of it, and then you realize, wow, that thing that I was consumed about, I haven't thought about it for hours, for days. Stuff that you were nervous about, stuff that you were angry about, when you can fully focus on something else, it goes away. It's part of the key of the gospel that this just happens over and over again. Jesus said this here, and you've probably heard this before, but Jesus says, look, if you want to save your life, you lose it. And that's the amazing truth of the gospel. And if you, but if you lose your life, amazingly for Him and the gospel... You save it. And this is the truth of what happens among God's people. This is what happens in His kingdom. That if you want to save your life, the one way to make sure that you lose it is to try to save it yourself. If you want to be able to tell your story, and we all should, the one way to make sure that's not going to happen is to work really hard at telling your story. If you want to feel important and valued, the one way to make sure that that's not going to happen is to turn all of your relationships into, hey, remember you're here to make me feel important and valued, right? I think most of us have probably been on the other end of that at some point. And we know, and we know how bad it is for everyone. But here's the amazing thing. That just as amazingly, it was literally Jesus' death that brought us to life. It's the same thing. That when we give things away, that's how we actually get them back. That, so that the best way the best way, the only way, really, to be able to tell our own stories 
is to not focus on telling our own stories, but being the person that when you talk to folks, you give them a chance to tell theirs. The one way to know that our own value, our own glory is going to be affirmed is to be the person that does that for others. That's precisely what Jesus is talking about here. And this is how we get on to the other side of humility. This is how we get on to the other side of boasting. Again, words are good and those words are great, but it's having them in the right place that matters. Now, what I've said here was pretty abstract, so let me just share with you one of my favorite parts of the Bible that lays this out as carefully as, I, as we can. If you want to know what your action plan is for this week, see, because the thing is, is that most of us could probably say, you know, there was no point where I inappropriately moved a conversation to talk about our, myself. I mean, maybe we did. I did it twice this week. Um, <laughs> It was a good week. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I like attention, so it's, it, it happens to me. But for, you guys seem like very nice people. So there's a, probably a pretty good chance that for a lot of you, you're saying, well, I haven't distorted conversations this week. I can think of people that needed to hear this, but this isn't really for me. But the point here is not just giving up boasting, but it's using the language that God has given us, using the words that God has given us, for blessing and giving other people the opportunity to do that. Because for me to say, hey, let me tell you what's going on with me, that's boasting. For you to ask me, Bob, what's been going on for you, with you? And I tell you a little bit and you say, wow, that's really exciting. Can you tell me some more? It's not boasting anymore. That's just how we're supposed to do it. That's us celebrating. So what Paul talks about here in Philippians is the way that you go about it. He says, first, he says you want to do nothing out of selfish ambition. That's what I was just talking about. Selfish ambition in this case was when you go into conversations, when you go into interact with people, don't go into it for what they can do for you, but think, what can I do for this person? I'm going to have a chance to talk with this person. I'm going to have a chance to talk with my dad. I'm going to have a chance to talk with my sister. I'm going to have a chance to talk with my coworkers. I'm going to have a chance to talk with my kids. Don't go into it with selfish ambition. Don't go into it thinking what I, can, what I need out of this. But consciously, and this is my challenge, consciously as you go into interactions this week, think about what can I do for this person as I begin to talk to them. And then don't go into it with vain conceit. That's his, you know, the word vain means empty, nothing. You know, the fact is, is that once you talk about it and once you get the attention on you, it goes away really fast. It's kind of dumb. So it's his way of saying, that's what it is. I can maybe get somebody's attention on me to tell my story for a couple minutes, and they go away slightly annoyed. I go away slightly feeling good because I got to tell my story. And then a day later, where are we? We're nowhere. That's vain conceit. So don't do that. So go into it. Go into it thinking about the person. And then here's how you do it. Value others ahead of yourself in each interaction that you have this week. We go into almost every interaction needing something from ourselves. You know, we call somebody up at work because, hey, I need you to help me with this. But look for opportunities to put them before you. Um, 
Sometimes that's easy to do. I, I had that experience once when I was in high school. I got knocked unconscious playing football in high school. The guy next to me in the waiting room had fallen off his motorcycle, so he was moaning and his forearm was, obviously I was not a doctor, but I obviously knew his forearm was broken. I tried to uh, let them have him go ahead of me, and I discovered with head injuries, you go to the front of the line. Um, but that's an obvious one, where I tried to let him go ahead of me. And sometimes it can be simply that, but in conversation, we can do the same thing. If we, if we think about it, we enter almost every conversation with an agenda. And what I'm asking you to do today, today is hold your agenda lightly and go into the conversation trying to find out, what can I help them say? What story can I help them tell? You know, you may need to, hey, I need you to help with this at work, but there's just the little thing that you can say to give them room to tell their story and to help them feel important. And a lot of times, that is just telling them that they're important to you. Um, and he goes on to say that. In your own, in don't look after your own interests, but look to the interests of others. Go into your, that's the challenge this week, is go into your conversations not looking for what you need to accomplish, but what I can help this person accomplish. Can I contrive to make this conversation a way that they can tell me something cool that's just happened to them? Can I move this conversation in a way that I bless this person and remind them that they are valuable and they are valued and that they're good? Can we do that along the way? Paul is suggesting this is stuff, this is the mark of God's people because that was the mark of Jesus who, as he goes on to say, didn't consider equality with God something to cling to, but Jesus emptied himself and took on the very form of a servant. And if you know how that goes, that passage continues, because of that, because Jesus humbled himself, God greatly exalted him. Jesus himself lived out the, if you want to save your life, you lose it. And because of that, the passage says, now every knee will bow and every tongue confess on the earth and below the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord. That Jesus himself is glorified because he put us ahead of himself. Because Jesus lived this out. So friends, that's the challenge today. I mean, it's not just don't brag about yourself, but it's to embrace the other side of it. To embrace the opportunity that we have to use our words to help one another tell our stories, and to use your words to bless one another. That's the challenge that we have. That's what God is asking us to do.